Hey, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Southside Track Podcast. It's your girl, Sandra, here to recap another Chicago Red Stars match. This time it's the home opener. It was a wild one against the Portland Thorns. And there's so much to talk about. It was a draw, a 4-4 draw, ton of wild goals, a couple of weather factors to talk about, and a lot of good vibes going in there, a lot of things to work on and improve on, and maybe a lot of things to to build on as well. So a ton of stuff. Can't do it alone. No one can ever do it alone. So I'm here tonight with my friend, homie, and colleague, Claire Watkins, a.k.a. Scam Originator. How you doing tonight, Claire? I'm good. I find myself still trying to figure this game out like my brain has kept working on it for hours and hours and I still still can't fully believe the shenanigans that we witnessed <laughs> ton of shenanigans uh it's definitely a game that has lingered I would say we're here several hours later a couple of days later and it's still a game that we're looking back on and just sort of both parts equally not too sure how to analyze it and also equally impressed I think there's a there's a lot to go through uh we'll just start with the uh starting lineup here it was Alyssa Nair and Nett Aaron Wright, Tina Davidson, Katie Naughton and Casey Short uh, getting the start out there for the back line you had uh, Julie Ertz, uh, Danny Colaprico, Alyssa Motts, uh, Katie Johnson, Yuki Nagasato and Sam Kerr uh, rounding out the starting 11 for Chicago Red Stars and when that lineup uh dropped I know for me personally I I, I, getting the first glance I thought you know all things considered with that injury report that had recently got uh released prior the day before to the game match that this was a pretty strong starting 11 for Chicago to put out against uh Portland Thorns which you know I think a lot of people out there took a look at that IR and thought you know, the Red Sox were probably going to be in some trouble here. What were some of your first impressions of uh, that starting lineup, Claire? Yeah, I mean, it made sense considering who ended up playing last week against North Carolina. And um, it definitely seems every team uses injury report differently. Uh, but it definitely seems like at the beginning of this year, Chicago is using it as kind of a, an expectation manager or a contextual um, resource so, for example, um, Danny Colaprico has been questionable the last two weeks despite playing a lot of minutes. And I think it, it was just kind of she's there so everyone just knows that she's not 100%, and so it's easier to correctly analyze what's happening on the field. Uh, but it's good that it, it feels – it's good in that it's different than last year in that um, – most people who are on the injury report are playable. They just can't maybe necessarily go for a full 90 at their best. Yeah, no, I agree. Like I think seeing, um, seeing a player like Casey short, uh, get the start in this game against a, a full squad, a healthy squad in the Portland Thorns right now was, was pretty significant. Um, even if you thought, you're assumed that her minutes were going to be restricted. I think, you know, being out last week, uh, sort of, precautionary against Carolina maybe sent some concerns you know but it was good to see her get her start and put out what I thought was a a very good and solid uh, performance Uh, and it was really good to I think see a player like Katie Johnson also get her first start with the Chicago Red Stars squad I mean this is you know this this team they they made a move for this uh, player specifically to become a part of you know, this squad and hopefully have an impact in this this type of year this World Cup year Um, so I thought it was really great that 
Johnson got a start against a, a full-strength uh, Portland Thorns squad. And we saw, I think, a lot of good stuff uh, out of this starting 11 in particular. And I would also, you know, and I'm going to obviously include some of the substitutions that were made in this uh, match as well, because they absolutely 100% had an impact in this match. You had Morgan Bryan uh, coming on as the sub in the 64th minute, and you had Vanessa DiBernardo making a substitution into the match uh, at the 76th minute, and Michelle Vasconcelos uh, being subbed in at the 75th minute. And these were players that also had uh, an impact on this match as well. And we're going to get further into sort of how their their roles came into play in this match. But for, for the Thorns, Thorns side of the match, I keep talking about how they had this healthy lineup out there. But, you know, they, they had, for their starting 11, they had Adriana France in that, uh, Megan Klingerberg, um, uh, Kathy Reynolds, Emily Sonnet, Ellie Carpenter, Lindsay Horan, Celeste Bouray, Tobin Heath, Christine Sinclair, Anna-Maria Sinner-Gorsevich, and Kaylin Ford to round out their starting 11. And again... Really solid, healthy, very talented Portland Thorns uh, starting eleven. Uh, when we, I think, when we both saw that, we were just like, "Yeah, that looks about right." Like what we were going to expect to see out of a uh, uh, of Portland Thorns. And immediately at the first whistle of this match, uh, it, you just felt like, for me anyway, I just felt like it was going to be this uh, a very different match compared to what we saw in the first week against. North Carolina, we immediately saw a little bit more fluidity in, in as far as like the midfield there, uh, not playing solo like they did um, against North Carolina. And it, it looked to be pretty evenly matched for the most part. And the Red Stars looked to be, you know, connecting their passes, which was something that we didn't really see in that first match. And then things sort of took a weird momentum shift in about the 16th minute when that first goal happened for the thorns where Lindsay Huran just took a shot at chipping the entire back line and found and found Lindsay, and found Christine Sinclair who continued the, the chip fest and this with his ball just ended up going in the back of the net. And it was uh, a very cool yet also very weird kind of goal to see happen. What was, what did you maybe get out of sort of that first goal? Yeah. I mean, it, 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 uh, it was the beginning of, of two themes for this game. One being that uh, the Thorns found space against Chicago's back line and against Chicago's defensive midfield. Um, a number of their goals, actually every single goal of theirs that wasn't a PK was due to a player having time on the ball to send in service and then a player on the receiving end of it uh, getting, you know, losing their mark. So, um, this was the beginning of that. Lindsay Horan had a ton of time to think about what she wanted to do. Uh, Sinclair wasn't tracked going back. I know Nayer, I think Nayer and Naughton might have run into each other trying to figure out what was happening. Um, so it was a, a lapse from both both the, uh, the midfield and the defense. And then the other theme uh, that it introduced was that that side of the field, especially in the first half, was very windy. So I think... You know, no one, no one really wanted to admit it post game, but I think that it, it fooled Chicago into some uh, some weird stuff throughout the first forty five minutes. A lot of wind, right, and definitely a lot of shadows. Uh, wind and shadows. Look out for the mixtape because that was definitely, <laughs> definitely a theme that was going on in this match for sure. 
Um, but that 16th, that 16th minute goal, I think sort of just opened things up, I think for, for both teams, because you had this response out of the rest stars that I thought was pretty, uh, pretty telling for the match and sort of their theme that they stuck with throughout this entire 90 minutes, because, uh, there was this immediate turnaround where you had Katie Johnson and Ellie, Ellie Carpenter sort of, uh, having a little bit of a one V one sort of basic down end line. And then eventually we saw this penalty, uh, the kick that was awarded due to sort of the work that Katie Johnson had put in and a handball that was called in the carpenter. And then Yuki Nagasato equalized with that PK. Yeah. Um, definitely, you know, a shift in intensity after the, the opening goal and it, it all happened really fast. Uh, you know, obviously there was the restart and then, Immediately, they marched down the field and and got that penalty, which from where we were, we were a little bit far away from from that goal. So it was hard to tell exactly what happened. But um, yeah, and Yuki took it and she sunk it. And then, you know, as as soon as we knew it, it was this was actually another thing that just happened in the game where um, no one held an advantage for all that long. Uh, I think the game was tied for longer stretches of minutes than one team was leading. And so it was this feeling of like, Oh, well here we're back at square one again, all level, um, which definitely had a psychological impact on the match. So talking about momentum shift, I, I think at one point in time, that time specifically, I was just the vibe. I kind of got, I was like, well, you know, hitting the reset button. And I said it kind of jokingly as you was, you and I were covering this, this home opener, but it turns out like that's really, sort of what this match kind of felt like all of a sudden like each team was just like hitting this reset button like nope psych like this is going to change now and for a second there Chicago had the lead because that momentum shift was absolutely in their favor after that PK Sam Kerr had this vicious interception on Emily Sonnet it was just criminal because she ended up nabbing this ball from their center back and then putting away a goal and it was a nutmeg keeper goal on Adriana French. And it was just sort of insane that that had just happened directly after that penalty kick that had equalized things. Yeah. And all it, of a sudden it was wild. rest of us were up to one. Right. Um, yeah. That, that whole sequence was odd too, just because it looked like Sonic could see Kerr coming, but still just thought she had more time than she did. And she kind of tried to turn away from Kerr, but you know, Kermit business and, and strip the ball. And it's not, I mean, Sonnet's an odd one where she does that every once in a while. And I don't know if it's just, she's too confident on the ball or if she just doesn't always understand like the level of urgency that she has to have in the back. Um, and then, yeah. And then 80 French was totally hung out to dry, tried to make a kick save, which was really all she could do. Um, and instead, yeah, Sam just slotted it through with her left foot. Which is the first props? <laughs> yeah, it's the first time she's done that in at least a year. I don't know if she scored any with her left in uh, in 2017, but she didn't at all in 2018. So we knew things were going to be weird from then on out. Dap challenge. If you want to dap, it's got to be with the left hand. See how long you can handle that. <laughs> See what's going on with that. But it was it was a one of those goals, and you <laughs> thought for a second that that might have been. One of the cooler goals to come out of this NWSL week two uh, weekend of matches. But we still have some more goals to talk about. And like you said, Claire, 
it didn't really feel like either team had the lead for a large extended period of time because uh, before halftime, right around the 33rd minute, you had <laughs> a very weird goal. Everybody's been calling it a weird goal, again, because wind and shadows, where Megan Klingenberg uh, served in a ball in the final third here, and it was credited to Anna Maria Sonogorchevich to get who got this uh, equalizer goal for for Portland. But it was like it looked like this weird combination of just getting the slightest of touches on this ball, and it found its way into the back of the net. And you couldn't help but wonder how much of that was the win because it, to use a baseball reference, like it took this sort of like knuckleballer kind of wave and weave into the back of the net it was just so it was both cool and awkward uh at the same time it definitely looked like it caught Nair by surprise where she I think was planning on trying to stop a Cernogorsevich touch but then Cernogorsevich did kind of graze it but didn't really get it so really the the ball was diverted by the wind um that goal that goal was was weird um but it, it it set it set up kind of this other thing that was happening on this left side where Tobin Heath was being played super tight by Casey Short one-on-one and and Short did a great job with Heath and and you know stopped Tobin from any sort of individualistic displays but when Short was playing Heath that tight that left Klingenberg pretty wide open for much of the match and uh she's a player that can can send send some pretty um, precise balls in so that yeah it was definitely a wind factored goal but uh Klingenberg had tons of time and Serna Gorsevich was unmarked which was not wholly dissimilar to what happened in the first goal as well so um it was a mixture of both turns out sometimes the players are unmarked things happen I don't know yeah. I don't know sounds and looks like that might be a thing that happens a soccer thing or something but that led us to halftime. At halftime, this game had four goals in it, two apiece for each squad. And the vibe was, I think, pretty good. Uh, just to emphasize once again, this was the home opener for the Chicago Red Stars. The entire week leading up into this match was, I thought, pretty epic. It felt different, honestly, to, to, to speak quite frankly. It just didn't feel like uh sort of home openers of the past there was a lot of excitement heading into this uh match with the the kit reveal and then the announcement of the NBC Sports Chicago uh broadcast partnership so very cool stuff and i think that sort of bled into the game day environment and atmosphere um and halftime saw a lot of really cool stuff they had some some cool stuff happening on on the pitch and um some giveaways that were going on and a lot of cool uh, in-stadium sort of interactive kind of stuff. So it was really cool, and it just sort of matched. It felt like the game day environment was sort of matching what we were seeing on the pitch, and it was this really sort of a uh, cool experience. And I I wasn't too surprised uh, in the second half to not see, uh, like, subs right away. I thought that the Mets sort of had a, had a good vibe, and each team was sort of wanted to – keep things going, right, so to speak, into that, that second half. And uh, in the 51st minute, the Portland Thorns, they they broke that deadlock uh, once again. And, and again, props to Megan Klingenberg. She was that player who was the one serving up those assists uh, because Tobin Heath was uh, getting marked so tightly by, by Casey Short. And 
found Christine Sinclair once again for her second goal um, of the match. And it was one of those things where Tobin Heath was going 1v1 against uh, Casey Short. And if I remember correctly, it looked like uh, Cole Pico sort of came over to maybe help out with that. Uh, Megan Klingenberg had a little extra space. And again, just whipped in this ball and Christine Sinclair sort of looked like she was coming out of nowhere. And then this ball found its way in the back of the net and it put uh, Portland up three goals to two. Yeah, the other other thing. Yeah, the other thing that happened in this goal um, that I didn't notice, it was actually it was Rory, Rory, who mentioned this after the match was over. um, But it it speaks to another kind of larger thing that Chicago is going to have to deal with is uh, that came off of a goal kick. Uh, an Alyssa Nair goal kick that um, was immediately um, depossessed in the midfield and turned over. And this was true. And this was true. And this will lead us into the subs that were made, which is just that um, <coughs> despite opening up and playing more against Portland than they get, did against North Carolina, um, the three midfielders of Alyssa Motts, Julie Ertz, and Danny Colaprico really weren't possessing super well in the midfield. Um, and it wasn't necessarily because they were being outplayed by Portland. I think it was just a little bit of sharpness that they were missing. And Alyssa Motts was on the injury report as, as having been dealing with some illness, which I think you could see. I think her pace was a little bit slower on Saturday than it usually is. And so Chicago would find themselves having to defend because they couldn't possess in the midfield. And so that goal was uh, an example of that as well. Yeah, and I, I think just to piggyback on what you what you said, at once that goal happened, there was um, what probably like a twenty twenty five minute stretch there where Portland had the lead, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. obviously it looked like they were uh, sort of getting their legs back under them, like once they had had gotten that lead, and in between there we saw the first Red Stars sub of the match, and it was for Alyssa Motts again, who was coming into this week, her and Nikki Stanton came in on this injury report listed with, with illness. So uh, Mott's was subbed off for Morgan Bryan in the 64th minute. And I thought that was very cool for two reasons, because uh, Morgan Bryan, when she comes on the pitch for the Red Stars, is a very good player for this club. And two, it was more minutes than she got versus Carolina. She was coming in a little earlier. So this week, we're seeing some of these subs uh getting a little more uh, match minutes, which I thought was pretty cool. So uh, Morgan Bryan came on to that that pitch right away and sort of does what she does. Sort of felt like, again, calmed things down a little bit, had a little more vision for the Red Stars. And two additional subs were made in the 75th and 76th minute for the Red Stars. And it was uh, Michelle Vasconcelos for, for Casey Short and Vanessa DiBernardo for Danny Colaprico. And similar to Morgan Bryan, it was really good to see Vanessa DiBernardo be able to come on uh, sort of in the 75th minute versus, you know, only being able to come on, I think it was like in the 86th minute against uh, Carolina. So it was really good to sort of see these subs be made and then kind of witness this cohesion that was taking place for the Red Stars as far as, you know, the, the midfield. Because as soon as these substitutions were made, you had this third goal from the Chicago Red Stars that was, I think you and I can both agree, probably one of the best 
Chicago Red Stars goals in their club history. All time. It, yeah, was, it was an all time. It was, it was that fantastic of a goal. If yeah. you have been watching this team for a long time, or if you've been us who have sort of uh, covered them or analyzed them a little bit, um, this is one of those goals. Like you have not seen a goal, a Red Stars goal like this probably ever. Right. Uh, the sequence that took place on this goal was just phenomenal. Yeah. And I, ulti- yeah. Ultimately, it was credited with Ertz, with the assist, and Vasconcelos with the goal. But there was so much more, Claire. Yeah. Right? I uh, I watched. I've watched this goal like ten times just today to <laughs> try to. And the funny thing was. Um, you know, we talked about it and talked about it and talked about it after it happened. And I didn't realize until today that there was a whole other player involved that I didn't even, it was so quick and so cohesive. And the problem is rewatching on the stream. There was a lot of shadows involved, but, um, (laughs) but so, so Sam, Sam Kerr makes the initial run at the top of the box. And I think the ball pings back out to Julie Hertz, who was actually fouled. She was tackled from behind, but she's able to get the ball back into Vanessa DiBernardo, who sends a beautiful ball into, and this was who I completely missed in the sequence, Katie Johnson, who instead of trying to turn and shoot, she drops it off to Morgan Bryan, who's right in front of her. Bryan sees Ertz on the outside, sends it out to her, and Johnson was kind of in the middle of that, and she had the vision to get out of the way. Um, Ertz immediately sends it back into Vasconcelos, who is making this run at, at, at goal, and Vasconcelos doesn't miss. And... Um, yeah, it was an incredible team goal. It was possession-style attacking football. It's just not something you see from this team a lot, but I know it's what they've been trying to do since the beginning of last season, and it was so cool to see. 100%, and I think that was part of what made it so special. It looked like this Red Stars team produced this goal, and they were showing what they had sort of been working towards you know, since since last season. And I know we're two matches into this season. Um, but I think some of us out there need to start talking about this Chicago Red Stars team and who they could look like and who they're trying to be versus who they were. Uh, there's so much of this, uh, there has been so much of this n- sort of narrative around the Red Stars and their kind of a predictable style of play that they were always praised for being this very organized team and that they were so organized that sometimes they were difficult to break down, uh, but that they were very direct and very route one. And that sort of stemmed from their kind of Benedictine days and have bled over into uh, playing it at, at, in Bridgeview. And, that started to change uh, last year when you had uh, the coaching staff sort of expand and, you know, they added these uh, two first assistants and, and Craig Harrington and Gary Kurnin. And you saw these this squad uh, working towards a different sort of formation. And I, I know last season saw these variations of like a 4-4-3, at times a bit of a 4-2-3-1. And you saw these really good ideas and maybe sometimes they always didn't pan out. So to sort of fast forward to this match that took place on this goal specifically, it almost felt like this sort of culmination of things, this built up to this moment. And it was so great to see. And of course it's early and nothing's ever dictated in this early in this league, 
But I think people out there maybe need to start changing their narrative when it comes to the Chicago Red Stars and their formation of play and who they are. They are not a one-trick pony. And I think you saw that on this goal. And they were locked. It was deadlocked at three. Uh, Three for Portland, three for Chicago. And then all of a sudden, we had another penalty in this game. And it was awarded to Portland Thorns. There was a substitution that was made by the Thorns. Uh, They started making their second half substitutions similarly to the Red Stars. Started around the uh, 67th minute with Gabby Seiler coming on for Klingenberg. Uh, Mitch Purse came on for Anna Maria Sernogorchevis. And Bridget's daughter came on for uh, Brule. And it it seemed to there were like appear to be more offensive substitutions for the Thorns. And so for people who might not have caught this, uh, on the stream, there was a moment in, in time in the second half where it looked like Katie Naughton was, um, had gone down a little awkwardly, maybe was struggling or playing through something. I, my assumption was that it was maybe, uh, cramping. Um, and all of a sudden you had a player like Mitch purse, um, had this ball and all of a sudden sort of streaking free into the box. And the only option that it appeared there was, was the foul. And you saw as soon as it happened, Naughton was just extremely distraught with that because of the penalty. It was a it was a foul in the box, and that's a penalty. And so, and Christine Sinclair converted for her for her hat trick in the eighty seventh minute. Yeah, it um, it it was it just was a foul. Um, you didn't see a lot of protest from from the Red Stars or even really the fans all that much. It was just kind of an unfortunate situation that Chicago uh, left her isolated um, and had to force her into that call. Um, and right it it definitely and and we can this is kind of leads to what happened next which is it definitely felt like another classic portland game where you put together some really beautiful stuff but just like they find so many different ways to beat you down and uh i i remember just thinking like wow if this is the last goal in this game that is a tough one for Chicago, especially after their, you know, brilliance, you know, minutes earlier. So, um, yeah, no, I, I it was agree tough. 100%. Yeah. And no, I agree a hundred percent. I think, uh, again, talking about, uh, prior red stars teams of the past versus this sort of, I guess we can refer to it as like this Yuki Nagasato and this Nagasato and Kerr era, yeah, you right, know, yep. it's a little bit of a different, uh, vibe and you had some players sort of, um, testifying to that in the mix zone, and we'll have some some audio of that a little later for you guys. But Rory Dames specifically mentioned how a goal like that would have killed uh, his team mentally in the past, and I think that was a fair assessment uh, because of what we saw out of this particular squad, this 2019 squad, in the last final winding minutes of this match because all of a sudden this red stars team it's like they looked at the clock and they were like 87th minute (laughs) okay and they just (laughs) said go and it was like ridiculous because all of a sudden it led to this 90th minute equalizer yeah and and from yuki nagasato yep and (laughs) that was that goal was also a team goal but it was a team goal of the front three it was johnson kerr and nagasato um, playing together really beautifully, and that was awesome. I, this just hit me. The Naughton thing, it's like that ball hitting Danny Colaprico's hand last year against Portland oh, in the man. opener. It's the same thing. Yeah. 
where you're just like, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> it, was, it was a real son of a bitch yeah. moment. <laughs> it's like, how did they figure out how to make that happen? Um, Egads, you've yeah, duped me right. once again. Once again. Um, <laughs> but right. So sorry, that's just that just hit me because like, yeah, do you, you remember Danny after that game saying like, I never do that. That doesn't happen. Yeah, I, but it did. I don't hit balls with my hands. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, Hashtag <laughs> right exactly um anyway but yeah so it definitely seemed like that was a real leadership moment from Kerr I think you could see Kerr really just refusing to lose this game um she took on three defenders and pulled them all to her um with a give and go with Johnson and then it was a deflected shot uh from Kerr that landed kind of landed at Nagasato and, 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 and Yuki said after the game was over that she just knew she had to get a body part on it and she just hit yeah. it with her knee. And Yeah, um, so it was like off the knee into the back of the net. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, it was an incredible equalizing goal. And the best part about it was them being deadlocked. These two teams were deadlocked at, at 4-4 and there was, I think, three or four minutes of stoppage time, Yeah, which was amazing to hear that announced over the PA system because... The rest stars did not stop. They literally had an opportunity or two to win this game with a with a ninth goal of the day. It could have made it five four. You had Vanessa Di Bernardo with a shot off the crossbar, and of course, it's not a rest stars game if there's not a shot off the post. (laughs) And it happened in stoppage time, and then there was an additional minute with just another rest star being able to be at the right place in the right time, and it just. Didn't didn't happen. Didn't go back in, in the in the back of the net, and you just sort of saw this team pushing and press uh, pressing and trying to make something happen. And uh, eventually, the final whistle blew, and they ended up <laughs> walking away with this with this four four draw. And I thought it was uh, a hell of a home opener, and definitely one of those games to you know sort of analyze review some tape and you know maybe build off into going into this week against a team like uh the rain yeah it it's i i think they'd have to feel good i mean you you can agree or disagree with me but it definitely seemed like even though it was a draw and not a win that most of the players felt like there were some real positives to take away after the game was over and um they were more excited about the good things that they did than than disappointed. Obviously, they're going to take very seriously the mistakes that they made, but um, they have to really like their odds against the rain, I would think, um, especially because from what I've seen from the rain the last two weeks, they look good. They don't look great. Um, we'll have to see. Obviously, Seattle always plays Chicago real t- – not Seattle, uh, Tacoma always plays <laughs> Chicago, <laughs> Chicago real tight. But uh, – <laughs> Yeah, they have to feel pretty good about it. Yeah, no, I uh, I always look forward to whenever the Red Stars play the rain. It, it history has shown us that those matches have ten has tended to be pretty physical, mm-hmm. um, kind of tough going, uh, and at times pretty low scoring. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think it it might sort of have the same uh, vibe of that. Uh, but I think there might be some things that come into play depending on who does or who does not play for both sides here. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as, instead of like doing like a full on prediction, like as far, if, as far as maybe 
um, a player that you would like to see sort of have an impact game for the Red Stars? Who do you want to see have sort of a an impact role for the team this week? I would love. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say. I would love a shutout. I want the defense. So they conceded four this past weekend. Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> I would like for them to to play a little bit, you know, tighter on their marks, a little bit more awareness. Don't get caught flat-footed. Um, yeah, I want I want the defense to uh, be the ones to watch. Yeah, same. I had a in my previews for match days. I sort of always throw in like a wow prediction. And then for this this Thorns game, I said a shutout is my wild prediction. And the wild prediction is meant to sort of kind of be like a joke. But if it ends up being real, like, oh, yeah, sure. I'm a genius. Why not? But it's like, no, a shutout would be cool. (laughs) Yeah. For our our sake, maybe. Like, let's let's talk about zero goals for the opposition (laughs) next week. That'd be real, real cool. But yeah, I uh, I would piggyback on that and echo those uh, those sentiments. I think that the Chicago Red Stars have had historically had a defense that's always been pretty reliable, um, strong players in good positions, and absolutely 100% capable of getting a shutout. So hopefully they can get one this weekend. That'd be real nice to see. Uh, it's gonna be played. So back to back, so it's, they're going to be playing a bridge for you again. So hopefully, people will be able to make it out uh, to this match. If not, you know you can always catch it on uh, Yahoo Sports or locally for NBC Sports Chicago. But Southside Trap will be there to help cover that game for you guys. And if you want to find any of of our other awesome work, you know Claire, where can the good people find you and your work? Yeah. Uh... You can, I'm still doing recaps for Hot Time in Old Town. Um, I write and I podcast for The Equalizer. Um, so if you're looking for more good soccer content, that's a good place to, to go. Um, and you can, I was literally about to be like, you can find me on this podcast, but I guess if you're listening to it, you know that. Um, you, can hey. find all, yeah, you can find all of my stuff on Twitter, uh, which is Scout. Ripley, which is also the name of my music project. You all should support your local Chicago band in Scott Ripley. They're talented and they are good. And Claire is awesome and makes good music and makes literally everyone's intro music to your favorite <laughs> yeah. soccer podcast. So make sure you support that. If you want to follow me and my shenanigans, you could do that at Sandrera underscore. That's H E R R E R A underscore. You can find my work at Hot Time and Old Time for previews and other cool stuff like that. You can also find some really cool stuff at secondcitysoccer.com. It's a new up-and-coming sh- uh, Chicago-specific uh, website that is uh, managed by local Chicago soccer writers. And they're really getting into some Red Stars coverage. And I'm happy to sort of help contribute with that. Got a cool piece out talking about maybe a little bit of a culture shift uh, revolving around the Chicago Red Stars. And the hype around this season so you should go and check it out but if you don't do anything else whatsoever you should absolutely 100% continue your support of the Southside Trap podcast the podcast that keeps you on side with the rest stars you can do that on any social media channel Twitter Facebook Instagram at Southside Trap Pod with one letter for you guys at Southside Trap Pod 
And if you want to listen to us, you can do that on Spotify now. You can do that on Podbean. And you can do that on iTunes. And you should give us a like or subscribe. Give us a rating or a review. We always appreciate when you leave nice things for us. So thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week. Hey, everybody. Uh, Claire and I were on site for the home opener for Southside Trap Podcast, and we have some post-game audio for you guys from head coach Rory Dames and Casey Short about the match between the Red Stars and Portland Thorns. Enjoy. Coach, you guys gave up four goals today. Can you talk about that? Um, yeah, we scored four, too, so... <laughs> <laughs> When you had um, Michelle come on for Casey and then ran more of a three back with uh, the rest of the numbers pushing forward, was that just because of the personnel available or was that more of a strategic move? No, we wanted to, we were having trouble getting with. Mm -hmm. When Vanessa and Morgan came on, we were finally able to get a hold of the ball in the middle of the field a bit, which we really couldn't do for the, the 75 minutes before that. So once we were able to get a hold of the ball a little bit more, getting some players in the wider spots, so we pulled Yuki and Michelle wider and pushed Kjo and uh, Sammy higher. And you know Sam and Kjo are going to thread your line. I think we pushed our line a bit. We were able to territorially get into their end, and for the first time in the whole game, we were actually able to, to keep some sort of possession in their third, where we were able to get it moving on the locket. And you know the fourth goal that we gave up is a bit unfortunate because it came against the run of play, but. You know, we concede the third goal off our goal kick, and we concede the fourth goal off their punt. Regardless of what shape we're in, we have to be better than that. Yeah. Katie Jensen got her first start today. Uh, what did you sort of test her with, and what did you think of her performance? Um, well, KJ was a really good footballer, and for her to come into the game, we actually have to have the ball and get it on the ground and play and get indoor. I thought she worked extremely hard in the first half, but I don't think we did a good enough job of bringing her into the game. Um, I thought the second half she found her way in a bit more, and then when we switched the shape, her and Sam and Morgan started finding good pockets to get in and off of each other. The little one-two that her and Sam played each other that led the Yuki's goal in the fourth goal. I mean, there's no question that we have the ability of the players to really play some special football, um, but we can't do it when we only have them for 20 minutes or 25 minutes and are shuffling it all around. So everybody's just going to have to be patient. Um, and uh, the start to the schedule wasn't the friendliest, um, but that's great because against a really good team in the last 15 minutes, we showed the qualities we have, and we'll take that and build off of it. What is it about Christine Sinclair when she plays against you guys? Man, <laughs> she better sign me a thank you card when she retires because I'm pretty sure half of her goals have been against me. So, you know, you, you, you t I, I thought we did a great job of eliminating her and from the game. And Sinclair gets us. I thought when we went there last year, we did a great job of eliminating Sinclair from the game, and Haran got us. You eliminate Haran and Sinclair, Tobin gets you. And now Ford's coming into form. So their their attacking ability and their players are dynamic, and that's going to carry them a long way. But if you keep giving them the ball, then you have to defend them a lot. If we could have got a hold of the ball a little bit more and possessed the ball a little bit more, it would have made them have to chase and defend a little bit more and not just free out attack us as much as they did. Oh, yeah. Thanks cool. for yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Great. Thanks, guys. 4-4 game tonight. What's going on with all those goals you guys conceded? Yeah. I mean, defensively, we're not happy to give up four goals ever in a game. So we got to clean some things up for sure. But I think our grit and fight to come back was something to take away from the game, at least. Rory did mention in his uh, postgame that uh, something like that PK would have, in the past, maybe killed you guys as a team. But sort of seeing your resiliency. After that, can you talk a little bit about the fight in the team after the game? Yeah, I think it shows our growth as a team um, that we were able to, you know what, 
push that away. We're going to come back, and we got you know go back after that. So I think that shows that we're maturing as as a group and coming together, and you know have that grit. I'm gonna derail and ask you about the jersey. <laughs> uh, so you're from you're from the area. What do you think of it? I think it's really awesome. The details that they put in, um, and the nods to Chicago is pretty cool and something that's you know never really been done before. So I think it's really awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know you've had the team's had some kind of special jerseys over the years. Is one of your favorites? You think? I think this is my favorite. This I love all the other ones, but this is my favorite. <laughs> As sort of a Chicago kid, does this one maybe sort of resonate with you more than other ones in the past? Yeah, definitely. Um, just you know, all the little details on here are pretty cool and definitely resonate being from Chicago. Um, there was a lot of buzz like with the kit reveal and then the announcement of the, the TV partnership. Does that sort of added stuff sort of add a bit of more uh, momentum to you guys going into to this game week, preparing for the Thorns? Yeah, I think it's, it made all of us very excited to have that partnership, having the jersey reveal, just like a lot of buzz around the team. It excited us, you know, we got to step up, and um, yeah, I think it's pretty cool. I know uh, last week against uh, the Courage, you were uh, listed on the IRs out. Was that more just sort of a precautionary for you? Still had a hamstring issue coming out of camp, um, so it was just smart not to travel and not to play so that I could be ready for this week. So going up today against the yeah. Tobin was a pretty big test. Uh, how do you always a you test sort of against Tobin? <laughs> Being on an island with Tobin is not fun. Uh, how do you sort of feel today after going up against her today? I mean, it's it's a great test playing against one of the best players in the world. Um, it's fun, you know. It makes me better, and you know, it's tough coming off being off for however long it was, but it was good to get back out there. Given the result, what do you think you guys can sort of take out of a match like this and heading into next week? Just going back to the identity thing and how we came back and came together and how we've grown. Um, the defending stuff, obviously, we've got to take a look at the film and clean that up a bit. But, you know, being positive and taking the, the good stuff away, I think. Did, did the wind affect what you guys were doing oh at all today? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The wind was crazy. Yeah. It was so hard to judge the ball at times. Mm -hmm. with the ball. Um, yeah, it definitely made things difficult, and I think it influenced the game first half to second half, mm -hmm. what we could and couldn't do. But we were able to play a, a bit more in the second half, so it was good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.